Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora, wonderful people. It is your host, Nat Hugel, here for the Have a Chat with Nat podcast. Uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about sobriety, whether you're sober curious or whether you want to be teetotal or whether it's something you've been kind of thinking about but don't really know how to go about it, uh, whether you are scared about the impacts that sobriety might have on your social life, uh, we're going to do a little deep dive, have a chat about it. So stick around if you want to uh, listen. It is, I will put in a um, trigger warning disclaimer that obviously we're going to be talking about uh, substances and uh, alcohol abuse and um, addiction. So if that is at all triggering to you, then please stop listening to this podcast and make sure that you tune in for my next one. But if you are here for the, I'm going to try to keep it to 30 minutes. I say that every time, but it never really works. So <laughs> we're here for as long as we're here. Grab yourself a cup or a beverage of choice and uh, let's get going. Alrighty, so uh, as you know with my podcast, we're just going to have a chat about it. So it's very informal, very um, off-the-cuff organic. So I guess the best place to start with this is in terms of my own personal experience. Uh, And just as I like to talk about, we're talking about alcohol abuse here um, rather than uh, sobriety can be a term used for any kind of illicit substance abuse, even prescribed substance abuse. Uh, but for today, we're going to be focusing on alcohol. So uh, for me, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just like any kind of teenager, was like any kind of teenager uh, in New Zealand. There's a very much a big drinking culture in our society. Uh, when you turn 18, um, I was drinking before I was 18. You know, you go out with your friends and someone, you get like an older friend to buy a box of export golds or whatever. Like literally everyone was doing or vodka cruises. I remember <laughs> I remember once I drank heaps of vodka cruises, like this is going way back. So for y'all who are listening in, who who are like, what the fuck is a vodka cruiser? Vodka cruisers are like one of the first lot of RTDs. There was like purple guana in uh, New Zealand and then like vodka cruisers came out and you get all different colors and well, flavors and colors. And I was, I had like six boysenberry ones. So they were purple. And I remember going to the toilet pretty cut, like pretty wasted (laughs) And I was peeing purple and I absolutely freaked <laughs> at this. I was like, oh man, I must be real drunk. But no, actually it was just the food coloring from the drink. Um, if you've ever had too much beetroot, y'all will know what I'm talking about. Um, but, and so, um, yeah, so I started drinking then, went to uni, went and lived, uh, went and got a scholarship for, uh, o- um, not Otago, um, Waikato University and I lived in the halls of residence there college hall represent 2005 and of course living on campus it was a huge drinking culture we had like a uni pub where they'd say the best burgers in the world but also like cheapest drinks ever um my go-to drink then was port because I loved wine but port was higher in alcohol so I would get more bang for my buck essentially (laughs) oh shit anyway um so did that and um and then just continued sort of drinking and I had periods in my life where I was on and off and on and off but um yeah it's really interesting with with alcohol because it's one of those slippery slopes that you really don't realize that you're going down until you're right down 
the rabbit hole. And uh, a really good analogy for it was made by Alan Carr. Now, I got really confused at first. So it's not Alan Carr, funny man, UK comedian, Alan Carr. Alan Carr, uh, I don't know if he's a psychologist or not. I think he's, well, he's within that realm anyway. And he, right, he has a book about um, giving up alcohol and he also does one on smoking. Apparently my cousin read it and he stopped smoking forever and he was a two pack a day kind of guy. So it's all about like mental mind shift and taking onus on uh, your actions and um, sort of, training your brain to think other and uh one of the things that he talks about is this plant now i can't remember what the plant is called but it's basically a uh, man-eating plant and it uses this as an analogy for alcohol so the analogy is is that say you're a fly okay and you um are in this particular plant is a man-eating plant and it produces this incredibly fragrant smell and you smell the smell and you're like oh my god like that Oh my God, there's, and whatever, whatever it is that, um, floats your boat, whatever smell really gets you going, like, say for me, it's like, I don't know, a pizza. And I was like, oh man, that pizza smells so good. And so you fly towards it and you stand down and the fragrance is so overwhelming and the want and the need for this, let's say pizza is so huge that you just you're absolutely entranced by it and so you uh start to walk down uh through like walk down the plant and you're just entranced and you keep going and you keep going and you keep like smelling this plant and then so and then you get down to the bottom and you realize now that you're in the thick of this plant and you've been so sidetracked and so blinded and tunnel visioned about where you're like this this smell and this taste of this thing that you want that you haven't realized how far down the plant that you've actually slipped and now you're in the belly of the plant and you look around you and there's dead flies and bugs and stuff everywhere around you and you realize oh shit how I can't I can't I can't get out and you end up basically just at rock bottom. And so this is what the analogy is, is that I think with alcohol, we see it as a good time thing. And it can start as like a habit of where you have the occasional drink every now and again. And you might go through a period of trauma in your life or, you know, the pandemic was a huge one that we're still living through. And um, I know that a lot of like, you know, a lot of friends, but it was also advertised on the news that a lot of people were consuming a lot more alcohol than they would have normally um, because they were like, one, fuck our lives right now because the pandemic two it numbs us and it takes the pain away three it kind of alleviates boredom uh so there was various different reasons why people consumed more alcohol but the reason thing is that people consume more alcohol and the thing is is that alcohol is a drug and it kind of blows my mind that alcohol is classified as different and I and I can see why because alcohol is legal uh so you know when you think about alcohol and drugs why not just label it under drugs because they're all drugs at the end of the day but no it's it's alcohol and drugs so basically it's like legal this is illegal and that kind of blows my mind really I was like huh I've never really thought about that before but it makes sense um 
that we should label it a drug because it is. And I think by differentiating it from drugs, like say illicit drugs like heroin or cocaine or weed or whatever, um, you actually, uh, it's almost like putting it in a realm of its own in terms of like, oh, well, you can get really badly addicted to these drugs, but to this drug you can't because it's legal. And I think that's a very big misconception because yes, you can, you can, it, it, it is a drug and we need to start thinking of it like that because you very much can get addicted to alcohol and the slippery slope that you go down, you don't realize that, that you're going down it and how steep the steep the hill is getting until you hit the bottom and go, Oh fuck. Um, and I've been reading this amazing book. So um, I'm going to talk about Quitlet, uh, which is, quitting alcohol literature uh, in a bit, but I want to reference this amazing one that I'm reading at the moment, and it is called This Naked Mind, and I've forgotten who the author is because I'm terrible with names, so just give me a second and I'm going to find it for you. Uh, I think it's Annie. It's coming up right now because I was reading it last night. Annie Grace, and uh, Annie Grace talks about it from sort of her perspective uh, from her alcohol addiction, but she's also a marketer, but she also goes into the neuroscience of addiction and alcohol addiction. And it is so cool. I'm such a nerd for it. Like I love learning about the mind and how our brains work and our bodies work. So, um, if you're a bit of a nerd like me, like totally recommend that book. Um, anyway, in that book, it basically talks about, um, you know, when we see the drunk guy on the street who, and we all know the homeless drunk guy on the street who is at absolute rock bottom, but yet he still has a paper bag with a bottle of booze in it. And I think she kind of mentions in the book how you don't look at the, you, you, you look at him and would think, oh, I'd never get to that point. Like what a low life. How did he get there? Like what terrible decisions has he made in his life to be able to be in that position and continue to abuse? And I think that's a really, uh, I think it's a really important thing to reflect on in terms of like this whole slippery slope thing, because for a lot of people, they get to the bottom and they don't know how they got there. And yes, they've made stupid decisions and stuff throughout the way. But when you think that alcohol is addictive and the way that it changes your neuroplasticity in your mind and basically warps you into becoming not only just sort of mentally addicted, but physically addicted to the substance, those people, like I look at, I look at people like that with a newfound empathy because I guess you can assume that those people are weak and that they're allowing themselves to live in life of squalor. But who the fuck would want that for themselves? And people, I, you know, I look at people like that and think, fuck, mate, I'm so sorry you're in this position. And I really, really hope that you can get the help that you need before alcohol takes you. Um, alcohol substance abuse is hugely damaging hugely hugely damaging not only for the person who is who is being abused by alcohol or is abusing alcohol but for the immediate people and the other people around um now I never got that far at all 
um, I was probably on the slippery slope and I saw that I was on the slippery slope. So I made changes to my lifestyle so that that was no longer an issue. And like with most people, like right up until um, sort of the pandemic, I guess, uh, I would, I love my wine. I love my wine. And uh, I'd have weekends where I'd have a couple of glasses here and there. But definitely over the pandemic, I started to consume a lot more. Um, and especially when, uh, you know, like I stopped drinking, obviously, when I was pregnant. But then there's the whole mummy wine culture, and um, which is really toxic. And um, I think I got a little bit wrapped up in that. I was like, oh, well, you know, it's like normal for mums to like, who've had a really hard day to have a glass of wine. Like that's how we wind down um, because we can't escape. Like, you know, like I love my daughter dearly, but when you've been with a toddler for like 12 hours of the day and you're absolutely exhausted and you've had no sleep, for multiple days on end, you know, um, a quick vice is very much welcome. <laughs> um, some people turn to food, some people turn to alcohol, some people turn to cigarettes, whatever it is. Um, so mine was wine and I never got like plastered or anything, but having that couple of glasses just like allowed for me to have this mental mind shift in terms of like, <sighs> okay, I can relax now. And, you know, there has been studies done where dopamine levels do increase um, after that first drink. Um, or after those first few sips, but they actually don't stay. You you know, you have multiple glasses after that and you'll never get that dopamine hit. Um, so anyway, yeah, so over the pandemic, my drinking started to get to a point where I was like, mm, mm. basically, if you think you have a problem, then you have a problem. You know, you wouldn't be questioning if you had a problem, if you didn't have a problem. And uh, I sort of did some research because I'm one of those people that kind of deep dives into things when I'm trying to figure out things because I'm very inquisitive. And uh, there is, I, I would have classified myself as what I would call a gray area drinker. So gray area drinking can sort of be described as like someone who like drinks more than a moderate amount of alcohol but they don't quite meet the level for dependence so like dependence can be that like again I guess it's subjective but like there's physical dependence but that comes in the very later stages of alcohol addiction that's when you wake up in your hands you literally have withdrawals um like the shakes and the jitters and feeling nauseous and head spins and things like that from not consuming it and it's only once you've consumed it that you that that stops and that really only happens at the very end like the very sort of dark dire area of addiction um but you can still physically be addicted to alcohol I guess or like mentally uh, addicted to alcohol and I'm going to go into the neuroplasticity because it's so fucking cool like it's very like it's uh, it's mind-boggling but it's really cool um in terms of your brain telling you that you need the substance to be able to survive um so yeah so I would consider myself a gray area drinker and um there would be times where like I guess what started to happen was is that I'd drink and I wouldn't really stop I would like have a couple of glasses, feel a bit tiddly, but then I'd just kind of keep going. And that was when I was like, hmm, 
hmm, <laughs> I think we have a problem. Um, and, you know, I wasn't drinking every night of the week. It might be once a week or something. But every time that I did, I tended to go overboard. Um, and some nights I'd be fine or some nights I might be having a really great conversation with the toilet um, and feel like absolute ass the next day. Um, so basically it got to a point where my husband had a talk with me and he was like, Nat, your drinking's becoming a little bit of a problem. And I was like, no, I don't have a problem. Like, even though in my head I was like, yeah, my drinking is becoming a problem, you know, denial. (laughs) And, uh, I would never drink like to get shit faced when I was out. Um, and I'd never drink too much if I like I'd have maybe one glass or like or two glasses over a night if I was driving or if I was performing and stuff um it was only ever at home that I used to you know drink to excess and he was like you know he was like because my husband doesn't drink much anymore and he's like you know it's just getting awkward like on a Saturday night when we're sitting around and then if others aren't drinking and you're the only one drinking and then you know, like I've had it too. Like when you're, when you're the sober person at a party and then you see all the drunk people and then like your tolerance for their sort of drunken behavior goes very south. (laughs) Um, and he was kind of getting like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. But the thing was, is that I just didn't really, you've got to want to stop. And then I was like, oh, you know, it's a pandemic and blah, blah, blah. Like, my life um, and I didn't yeah I, I guess the thing that caused me to stop was actually really deep diving into the um, neuroplasticity of the mind and looking at all of that and also um, downloading this amazing app called reframe now reframe costs forty dollars a month which I know is not affordable for some people but I was like, Look, if I'm not buying alcohol, then I'd be spending more on alcohol a month than I would be spending on this app. So I'd rather do it. And I'd heard some good things. There is a free app that you can download called I Am Sober. And it basically just gives you a forum to connect with other people and also to um, to log your days. And the only thing I don't like about it is that if you do trip up, which we do in recovery, um, then it takes you right back to square one. And to me that I didn't really like that because it sort of voids all of the days. Like you might've gone 20 days without alcohol. And then if you have a slip up, which is common in recovery, then it would take you back to square one. And yeah, it would just void all of that progress that you'd made. Whilst with reframe, it doesn't do that. It will be like, they take it as like a day forward or whatever. So you don't stop from when you first started. Like, so my date was the 24th of December, (laughs) the day before Christmas, I know. Um, And then I've probably, hold on, I can tell you right now, right now because I can log on to my reframe app and it will tell me how many days I have been in recovery so it says I have been in recovery for 60 days um and out of those 60 days I have been 53 days sober so I can't do the math off the top of my head (laughs) but it's 1282 hours 
And no, I didn't just do the maths for the hours off the top of my head. It actually says it in the app. <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm not a mathematician. Okay. God. So anyway, so um, so yeah, so I really like that aspect about it. And every day it's got like 15 minutes worth of, and it's like sometimes I get through it in like eight minutes. Sometimes I get through it in 10, 15. But um, I've made a habit of every morning when I'm having my morning coffee or lemon juice or whatever, um, I'll sit down and I'll do my reframe app. And it kind of sets you up for the day and it's got some really cool things on it. Like, um, so it talks a lot about the neuroplasticity of the mind, um, what you're going through, what the changes in your body are going to be at every given day. Like for example, it says, day 60, as your stomach and intestinal tracts heal, you'll notice things run a little more <clears throat> smoothly. Um, and it's got he heaps of cool little health updates. Um, Day 56, your heart is loving the lack of alcohol. Your cardiovascular health continues to improve every passing day. But And it's it's just really cool. And then it's got like a drink tracker. Um, the stats, uh, apparently I've avoided 13,295 calories of sugar since I started, um, which is amazing, really. Um, and yeah, and it gives you the daily tasks, which just help to keep you accountable. It also has like a really cool toolkit, um, where you can go into where, um, if you're having a craving, so apparently according to reframe in the science that they've, uh, the research and stuff that they've done, uh, it takes 20 minutes for a craving to pass. So they'll, so you go into the craving part and they've got like games, mindfulness, um, stuff that you can do. You can watch some inspirational YouTube. You can do some breath work for the craving to, so to pass the craving so that you've kind of distracted from it. And then, um, yeah, it's really, really cool. I really enjoy it. So anyway, that's about reframe, but um, in reframe, yeah, it talks about the ne neoplasticity of the mind. So for for what you, you're like, what do, what do we, 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 we? So basically our brains, um, they have, if you think of a highway and if you think of spaghetti junction, so all of the different neuropathways or thoughts and patterns and habits and learnings that we have in our life create pathways. And the more and more we use those pathways, the more and more cemented they become in our brain. And uh, a really good analogy, which Annie from This Naked Mind said, um, was about the sheep going up the hill. So if you think of a paddock, and um, I know this purely because I used to live on a farm and we had sheep, but sheep always travel the same path. So if they get put into a new um like up a hill rather. So if uh, you put sheep into a paddock, they'll start to create their own pathway up the hill and they will continue to follow that pathway up the hill. So every time that you drink, you are creating a neural pathway. And the more and more that you drink, the further cemented that drink that pathway will be, which is exactly what happens with the pathway with the sheep. And first of all, there's no path. And then there's a little bit of a path as the grass wears out. And then the path gets bigger and deeper until it's really firmly entrenched. And then if the sheep move to another paddock, it will take a certain amount of time for that pathway to then like grow over. And so the same thing goes like it's very much in this frabbit, the frabbit <laughs> habit framing um, sort of idea in terms of to break a bad habit, you've got to stop doing the action 
and by stopping doing the action you're going to your brain will eventually cotton on that it's no longer a pathway that it needs to tread and it will dissipate however (laughs) that pathway uh because like with alcohol and with addiction right so the more frequently that you have it and if you're and if you become let's just take a um like for me for example right Fridays Fridays were a treat night in our household so that's when we go and get takeout that's when I'd open a bottle of wine and that's so every Friday was a trigger for me and still is a bit of a trigger for me so every Friday my brain would be like it's Friday it's the end of the working week sorry I got interrupted by my aria um it's the end of the working week, I get to relax, I get to just let loose. And so that would be when I'd have a wine, I'd be like, it's Friday. And you know, you tell yourself all these sort of like, it's, I think of you kind of your addiction or your um, alcohol sort of dependency. I think of it as like, and Catherine Gray, who's an author I'm going to reference later, who writes this amazing book, um, sort of talks about her sort of she tries to separate her addiction as like this other it's not her it's this other and so because it comes from this um sort of inner part primal part of the brain I think it's the amygdala pretty sure it's the amygdala um um, these your habits right so if you're continuing to drink all the time then your body then decides that oh well this is obviously a really important thing that we need to do and continue to do so now it will tell you oh well we need to have alcohol now alcohol we need to have alcohol now 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 how about now and then it will go from just being the Friday or the weekend days to being a Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and then a Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and then the whole week and then you know the the addictive mind um the addictive yeah it's it's for me it was like it's like this voice and it would say oh you know it'd be really nice right now it's really nice and sunny outside a drink a drink would be really nice or if you have a really bad day if alcohol is your crutch then your brain learns that and then it will go oh I know what we do in this situation we have a drink you should drink because your brain doesn't know any better and your brain thinks well because you've done this action so many times and this is the reasons why you go to it then then you should have the thing shouldn't you um so your brain will start to coerce you and your uh logical brain which is the prefrontal cortex um so your rational brain is like going it's like three o'clock on a wednesday like i'm i'm not gonna drink but your brain is like, yeah, but you're stressed and you've had a really hard day. And when you're stressed, you have a drink. So you should drink. And then your prefrontal cortex your goes, mm, no, nah, I really, I really shouldn't. Like that's, that's not cool. And, you know, and then it might come back and be like, yeah, but you're at home. Like who's going to know? Um, so it kind of coerces you. And I think of mine as like a, um, a melodramatic villain, like the, uh, you know, with the big mustache and the cape and you must pay the rent foiled again. Um, that's what I think of mine is. And it's like, oh, well, you should have a wine because you're stressed. And when you're stressed, you should drink because that is what you do. And then I'll be like, no, no, I'm not. 
and then it's like yes yes you should and it's really overbearing especially if it's a habit which you've really instilled into you so to be able to stop that takes a huge amount of strength and I have so much empathy for people who are in really active addiction or in really in active recovery because to fight your brain and your neural pathways that you've so deeply entrenched is so hard. Um, it's like, it's basically your brain can't differentiate between like, it's as strong as a hunger cue or as needing to drink water. Like that's where it gets to, Like I didn't necessarily get to that point, but that's what it gets to for people who are in addiction or who have a drinking problem. They get to that point where it's like, it's eat, drink, uh, eat water, uh, <laughs> eat food, drink water, go to the toilet, drink alcohol. Those are the really strong um, sort of thought patterns that go through your head and to deny them. You know what it's like, like when you're busting to go to the toilet, right? And you feel the physical sensation. It's not even, it's not even just mental though, too. Like you crave it in your insides. And when you're hungry, you crave it. The same thing with alcohol, you crave it. And it's the thing with any kind of active addiction, you crave it. And so when you deny that, then and you focus on it, then the brain just like blows it out of proportion. It's like, you have to have this. You're like, you know, when you're hungry, it's like, you're gonna, you're, you, you're hungry. Eat, come on. I want food. Hungry, eat. And it'll just pound and pound and pound it into you until you actually give in. And that's what it can be like for people with alcohol. Um, and to call people with addiction weak is, is to try and, or in recovery week is so not the the case like trying to fight your own brain yes you yes you've got to take responsibility for the fact that you've got yourself there but to fight your brain every day when it, the cravings are that strong is such a brave thing to do and I applaud anybody who has tried to cut down on their drinking or is gone to total who has had problems with their drinking in the past because fuck mate, it is hard. And for the first couple of weeks for me, it was hard. It was, so, and I, I stopped over the silly season because I was like, no, I need to stop now because I can see if I allow myself, like my family are, uh, um, are a really entertaining family. They love having drinks and alcohol and lots of food and stuff. So I was like, I have to stop now because if I don't, which was the day before Christmas, I'm just going to be on a week long, like drinking, eating bender, and I'm going to feel like absolute ass. So the buck stops here. And it's relatively easy in the first few, first week or so when you're in the honeymoon period and you start to feel the benefits, your sleep's getting better, et cetera. And then you get into the, the honeymoon phase fades off and you're like, oh, what if I do have a drink? What if I, what if I try? And that's why, as I referenced earlier, it's really important that, you know, we see, uh, slip ups as part of recovery. It's not that it's excusable. You can't just be like, oh, well, I can have a slip up because I'm in recovery, but they happen because you kind of second guess your own mind and you have a moment of weakness and that's okay. It's fucking hard. Um, and yeah, so basically the reframe app really helped to put things in perspective for me in terms of the mind and how 
addiction and stuff works but what really also helped during those first few weeks as well is reading Quitlet so the first one that I read and following sober Instagrams following sober Instagrams has been really really great for me too um but the first Quitlet that I read was by a chick called Millie Gooch (laughs) and yes her last name is Gooch she jokes about it often um and she writes she created the Sober Girl Society which is quite a prolific uh Facebook I mean, sorry, Instagram handle, and they do events over in the UK, like sober events. But she also wrote her own book, and it's sort of part autobiographical, but part like sort of like a handbook for those who are starting out on sobriety or sober curious journey. And it's so great. It talks about the neuroplasticity. It talks about big alcohol um, over in the UK and how marketing and stuff like warps our perception of like how drinking, how to be a successful person in life, you know, you have your glass of alcohol and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's really interesting if you like looking at it from that perspective. And then the second one that I read, which Millie Gooch also references is, um, the unexpected joy of being sober by Catherine Gray. And she is amazing. She was like full blown addicted, like full blown physically addicted. And she talks about her story and then, um, also references all the neuroplasticity and how she got out of it and her trials and errors and the rock bottoms that she faced and where she is today. And, um, and then I'm reading the naked, this naked mind, which I really love. It's not, it's, it's partly autobiographical, but it's really more about mind, like how to, what alcohol does to us, the neoplasticity and how we sort of change that and change the narrative of being a drinker. Um, So yeah, I guess. So now, as I said, I'm 50 something days sober (laughs) and um, I have had slip ups. Um, the past couple of weeks, actually, I thought, you know, I again, the honeymoon phase where you're like, oh, I'm sure that I can have like a couple of drinks and be fine. One night I did and it was fine. I had two. And another night I I didn't and it didn't end well. And um, it just shows that. And now I'm on um, a new long-term medication in which I can't have alcohol. So it furthers my resolve not to have it because it's actually dangerous if I do. So it's actually quite like good to have an excuse not to, um, as well as just having the resolve of not drinking. But I think the most difficult thing that I found for me was because our society is so heavily centered about alcohol and YOLO and Friday and partying it up and alcohol goes hand in hand with that, that navigating life as a sober person is interesting um you know it's it's funny like the funny things like people will question you not drinking but they'll never question you not smoking or they never question you not snorting freaking coke like you know if if you're a drug addict and you give up they're not going to be like oh why aren't you why aren't you um injecting heroin tonight you know like people but people will judge you if you don't drink you know uh which is freaking weird so weird so weird so um I guess if you are struggling with alcohol definitely do a deep dive into um the mind and I really recommend um this naked mind for that and I'll put um the links to all of the books in the show notes 
Um, follow some sober Instagram. Um, one of my absolute favorites is one called Brutal Recovery. And it's a meme-based um, recovery page. And um, it's just, it's so great. It's, you got to kind of go and look at it. It's very, it's very funny. Sober Girl Society is another one. Fucking underscore sober is a great one. Another meme-based one. Um, there's sober celebrities, sober underscore celebrities. That's been quite cool to see, like, how many people are living the sober life that are um, sober. Uh, a sober girl's guide, sober vibes, sober babes club. There's heaps of, there's heaps of them. Um, not like I can't find any in New Zealand. And I was thinking maybe I could start like a little sober event thing. Like maybe we could, I don't know, like I have a background in events and I'm like, well, maybe I could put together like a cool little sober thing like maybe a dinner maybe a mocktail um, making class or something like that for other sober curious people or sober curious or sober people so that we can actually go out and have a good time without like feeling the pressure of having to drink so if you're keen on that and you live in New Zealand let me know in the comments um so yeah so I've talked about Quitlet those are some sober Instagram accounts to follow um the best things that I found in terms of sticking with it um, is accountability wise is having an accountability buddy. Um, so mine was my husband um, and just talking it out. Like when you're having like be really brutally honest when you're finding you're having a hard time, like in the first few weeks of being sober, I found it really difficult to be around other people who were drinking now, not so much anymore, but um yeah, it, it was really hard and really triggering for me, um, especially if there were places where I'd gone multiple times before to have drinks with other people. So I would personally avoid like going out for a couple of weeks. Um, having, yeah, having an accountability buddy, uh, having an app like I Am Sober, or um, if you have the funds to do so, an app like Reframe, uh, you can talk in the forums and see other people's stories. And I found that really invaluable too, especially when I've had moments of like being on the edge of about to break my sobriety. Um, also taking up hobbies. Like I've taken up roller skating again. Like I used to love roller skating when I was a kid and now I'm roller skating again. And I don't think I would have ever done that had I given up alcohol. Um, and that's been really fun. So whenever I'm feeling triggered, I'm like, right, cool. I'll go get my skates on and I'll go for a skate. And that seems to make it pass. Um, in terms of in terms of non-alcoholic beverages, you can get heaps actually. Um, there's like non-alcoholic wine, few and far between in terms of finding a good one. Um, Giessen's do a really nice Sav Blanc, like it actually tastes like a Sav. So if you find that that might be too triggering for you, maybe stick away from that. But my absolute favorite, like I can't drink beer because I'm allergic to gluten. <laughs> so, um, but my absolute favorite non-alcoholic beverage is the Zephyr zero percent cider it literally it tastes like a nice dry cider like it actually tastes like cider it doesn't taste like you know apple juice uh so that's something that I've really loved but you can get heaps of like see over in the states they talk about seltzers seltzers is that what they're called but I can't find any non-alcoholic ones here 
Um, but you might just be all goods with like getting a fancy mocktail. You could get um, creative at home or like even a Diet Coke. Um, Diet Coke, uh, Coke Zeros were great for me. Um, and yeah, I guess it's really a matter of trial and error and seeing what triggers you or not. But even if you're thinking about cutting back, you know, it's really just about with anything to do with habits, you need to think about the road that's been treading for so long and you need to sort of step back and not tread that road so often. And when, and a really good thing to do when you are feeling triggered and you want to have a drink is play the tape forward. So basically what that does is it's like, okay, so let's imagine what would happen if I was to have a drink, how would my night turn out? And usually if you're like me and you can't really just stop at one, you'll get to the end of the night and like in your head and realize, oh yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And usually because I usually can't stop at one, I just don't have that first drink. And if I don't have the first drink, then I'm fine. So it's all about just not having that first drink. And that's what I concentrate on. But also in terms of mindset too, um, you don't want to sort of linger on it too much because the more that you think about something and this can be to do with anything the more that you think about something the more it ruminates and the bigger and the bigger it gets you know when you're anxious and you think about something and you play it over and over and over again and then it just gets absolutely blown out of proportion the same thing for addiction so and also like obvious disclaimer I'm not a scientist or anything like this is just what I've researched and if you are having really serious issues and you really need professional help then please do go and seek it you can seek out CADS if you're looking for like a non like religious um sort of support group you can go to Alcoholics Anonymous they do have that because of the um, 12-step program and it does relate to God and all that so if you are religious and cool you can go down that route for me none of those things like it was a private thing that I kind of wanted to deal with so the reframe app was really great for me but you yeah it's it's entirely up to you how your recovery journey recovery journey looks um yeah so what was I saying yeah so um it's kind of like thinking about you know how I said earlier about how I think of my addiction, addictive voice as this like um, melodramatic villain. Well, it's also thinking about your brain in two different levels. So your human you brain is the prefrontal cortex, right? Your base brain, your primal brain is where the amygdala is. And that's where all of this habit forming, you know, base uh, want and addictive voices coming from so you almost need to separate yourself from that and look at yourself in a pedestal and be like I am not my addiction and I am not giving in to my addiction and are you almost like think of it as this base low level thing that it's not you it's this pattern that's obviously formed in your brain but that's not your voice that's the addiction's voice and that's not your voice. And when you kind of make that separation, it can kind of be a bit easier. So when you hear it come in, you'll be like, nope, nope, not listening to you. Pretend it's someone who's like homophobic, transphobic, like misogynistic, <laughs> xenophobic, like a really horrible person who you just don't even want to hear the opinions of, right? And they start talking, you're like, nope, no, 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 I'm focusing on this thing over here. So it's kind of like 
ignoring, like see it, be like, cool, see you, don't want anything to do with you, piss off. <laughs> and then focusing on something else. So that's where like the the games and distraction games or like go for a walk or go for a rollerblade or something really come into play. Um, yeah, so playing the tape forward, thinking about it that way um, in terms of your mindset um, and journaling. Journaling has been really great for me too, especially if I've had a, a really intense like um, craving and then I'll be like, Whew, okay, now that's over. Cool. Let's journal about it. And, and like, and also like give yourself kudos. Like when you, when you get through that, be like, fuck yeah, I did that. See, I can do it. I can do the thing. And then when you do have a slip up, just get back up on the horse and keep going. Like it's a slip up. It happens. Okay. Um, don't beat yourself up too badly about it. Just know every, take every day as it comes. Don't look too far ahead obviously look back and it's good to see how far you've come, but don't look too far forward. Just take every day because every day is going to present you challenges. So yeah, um, I think that's really all I have to say. And of course I've gone over my 30 minute time because that's what I do. But if you have enjoyed this podcast, then please make sure that you subscribe. You can subscribe to my um, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, if you enjoyed it, feel free to do a screenshot and share on your socials. My socials are at Nat Hugel Creative. Um, thank you for being here with me and for listening to me blabber on about stuff. I will leave the books that I reference in the show notes. Um, and I'll also leave a link to Reframe app as well. Uh, feel free to DM me um, if you have any more questions about about it again just wanting to say you know I'm not an expert in this field at all I'm just someone who is going through recovery and uh, this is my experience and these are the things that I've learned and I've referenced all the different people who I have learned from so yeah uh, thank you love you have a wonderful rest of your week and we will catch up soon Mwah.